Hello and welcome to the CircuitPython Weekly for April 26, 2021. This is the time of the week where we get to talk, uh, get together to talk about all things CircuitPython. My name is Scott and I work for Adafruit on CircuitPython. Uh, CircuitPython is a version of Python designed for tiny computers called microcontrollers. Uh, Adafruit is an open source hardware and software company based out of New York City. They make a lot of uh, electronics that have microcontrollers on them, so they sponsor much of the CircuitPython development. And so if you want to support CircuitPython and Adafruit, you can go to adafruit.com and purchase hardware from them there. A number of us in this meeting, but not all of us, are paid by Adafruit. Okay, uh, this meeting is hosted on the Adafruit Discord server. You can join anytime by going to the URL adafru.it slash discord. Uh, we hold a meeting in the CircuitPython dev channel, uh, text channel, and the CircuitPython voice channel. This meeting typically happens at, on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, or a few minutes thereafter, uh, except when it coincides with the U.S. holiday. If the meeting time has changed, we'll notify you via Discord. Uh, if you want to be notified about changes to the meeting, we can add you to the CircuitPython Nisa's role on Discord uh, that gets mentioned when, when we change things. There's also a calendar available that we'll try to keep updated if you'd like to subscribe to that. Uh, this meeting is recorded. We record the audio from the voice channel and the video of the text channel. If you'd rather not have your voice recorded, you are still welcome to participate. Um, the, meeting, the video of this meeting will be posted to YouTube and the audio is released as a podcast. If you find this podcast is not available on your favorite podcast service, let us know. Uh, there's a note stock to accompany the meeting and recording. If you wish to participate but can't make it to the meeting, you can leave hug reports and status updates for us in the document, and we'll read them off during the meeting. The note stock also contains timestamps to go along with the video, so you can use the doc to view only the parts of the video that interest you most. The meeting tends to run 60 to 90 minutes, so this gives you the option to skip around. A link to the notes document is posted to the CircuitPython dev channel on the Adafruit Discord every week. Check the pinned messages of the of that channel to find the latest note stock. This meeting is held in five parts. The first is community news. This is a look at all things CircuitPython and Python on hardware in the community. It's a preview of our Python and microcontrollers newsletter. The second part is the state of CircuitPython libraries in Blinka. This is a statistical overview of the entire project. It's a chance to look at the project by the numbers separate from what we've all been up to. Uh, third, we have Hug Reports. It's an opportunity to highlight the good things folks are doing, taking the time to recognize the awesome folks in our community. Fourth is Status Updates. Status Updates is an opportunity to sync up with what we've been up to. Take a couple of minutes and talk about what you've been doing in the last week, since the last meeting, and what you'll be up to over the next week until the next meeting. Uh, the fifth part is In the Weeds. It's an opportunity for more long-form discussion. These discussions can come out of status updates or be something you've identified ahead of time as, as too long for status updates. What you do is just add your topic and your, uh, your name next to the topic uh, to the notes doc in the In the Weeds section. We'll hand it off to you. Um, so heads up for that. And that's how the meeting goes. Let me switch uh, to the notes doc and I'll take a time code and get going. So the, our first section here is community news. Uh, Adafruit is sponsoring PyCon US 2021 as a participating sponsor. Um, Adafruit is a sponsor of PyCon US 2021. PyCon is the largest annual gathering for the community using and developing the open source Python programming language. It is produced and underwritten by the Python Software Foundation, the 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to advancing and promoting Python. Through PyCon, the PSF advances its mission of growing the international community of Python programmers. 
Conferences happening May 14th and 15th, 2021, with sprints to follow. Learn more at PyCon.org. Next up, uh, we have that Mu uh, 1.0 Beta 4 was released. So Mu 1.0 Beta 4 has been released. This release includes a number of bug fixes and backend updates, including a new way to detect CircuitPython boards and find the CircuitPython REPL connection. Check out this post for details. Uh, thanks to Foamy Guy for dropping notes in the text channel. Since this is a beta release and may have bugs, they've asked that folks provide feedback via GitHub. Learn more and download the latest Mu from code, the URL codewith.mu. Now a couple projects to highlight from the newsletter. First, let me take a time code. Is an animation demonstrating the Adafruit CircuitPython Circuit Playground Express acting as an inter intervalometer to remotely fire the shutter on a Sony camera using infrared commands. The code also features a manual mode where the CPX is left button fires the shutter, both useful for stable, vibration-free photography. There's a YouTube video there as well. Next up in projects, uh, the Pico Touch PCBs designed to work with the Raspberry Pi Pico and CircuitPython from Twitter. These are also from Toddbot. And last up, um, and this is just a preview, of the everything in the newsletter. Last up, we have the Paintinator 9001, which is a custom pen plotter for those with particular disabilities running CircuitPython. There's a YouTube video there along with a GitHub link. Uh, and this is super cool. This is uh, bringing uh, painting, making painting more accessible for folks who may have dexterity issues preventing them from painting themselves. Okay, and Lastly, just a reminder, the CircuitPython Weekly Newsletter is a CircuitPython community-run newsletter emailed every Tuesday. The complete archives are available at the URL www.adafruitdaily.com slash category slash CircuitPython. It highlights the latest Python on hardware-related news from around the web, including CircuitPython, Python, and MicroPython developments. To contribute your own news or project, edit next week's draft on GitHub by going to github.com slash Adafruit slash CircuitPythonWeekly, CircuitPython-Weekly-Newsletter. Check the underscore drafts folder there for the latest draft and submit a pull request uh, with a link there to how to edit on GitHub uh, with the changes. You may also tag a tweet with hashtag CircuitPython on Twitter or email cpnews at adafruit.com and we'll add those things as well. Next up, we have State of Circuit Python Libraries in Blinka. This is a statistical overview of the health of the project and its many pieces. So this is meant to kind of ground us in the numbers on how we measure participation and activity and things like that. So if folks have ideas for new metrics, please let us know. We'd love to evolve this as well. But uh, this these metrics we have now, we've actually had for a while. So let me go over those. So first off, overall, uh, we had 108 pull requests merged, which is a lot more than usual, uh, which is great. Uh, we had 34 different authors, so that's just not all one person doing a bunch of stuff. Um, so just a few names here. Uh, Eddie Spinet Spinal, <laughs> Zap Wizard, uh, Colin WQ, B. 
Meisels, JCC, JCC99, Brian Pugh, um, are names that I don't recognize, Deermash, Z Simso, uh, Guenter Q, Empirical Dan, um, Stone Hippo, and Nini Coco are all folks I don't recognize, so welcome to the new folks. Uh, we had 14 different reviewers, so thank you to all of our reviewers for uh, reviewing those folks and enabling those authors. As always, we're looking for more reviewers so that we can scale out to more authors. So if you want to level up, uh, probably from author to reviewer, let us know. We'd love to help you do that. Overall, issues-wise, we had 38 closed issues by 19 people, 24 opened by 18 people. So we're net down 14, which is awesome. Uh, thank you to everybody who's been working on those issues. And uh, with that, I'll switch to the core, and we'll talk about the core updates in just a bit more detail. So for the course, CircuitPython core, we had 25 pull requests merged from 21 different authors. Um, I won't read off the new folks there. Um, so just thank you to all of those folks as well. We had six reviewers, so thank you to reviewers. We have uh, 21 open pull requests. And uh, as always, if you're looking to help us out with the core, uh, there are a few pull requests that are getting quite old. Um, we have, it looks like six older than 100 days. So if you, those probably need somebody to pick them up and take a look at them. So if you if you want to help us out, that would be awesome. Uh, it's really good practice uh, reading code and understanding what somebody's going for. So uh, it's good practice. It's not easy, but uh, it would be super helpful. Uh, issues wise, we had four closed issues by two people and 13 opened by seven people. So we're definitely not helping our issue count. Uh, for a total of 440 open issues on the CircuitPython core. Uh, we have five active milestones. We use milestones to track um, our triage, making sure that we've looked at all the issues and decided kind of what priority they're, they're for. Uh, we have five issues not assigned to milestones, so we're going to have to catch up to there. Pretty typical, actually, uh, over the weekend, though, so nothing to worry about there. Um, we have 57 open issues on 7.0, so we're going to have to take a look at those before we uh, before we do a stable release. Overall, um, the big thing is that we're firmly in 7.0 work land on the main branch, so if you're working on main, be aware that things are changing a lot. Um, I've started to merge uh, MicroPython stuff in, and that's going to cause a bit of turmoil uh, and potentially introduce some bugs, but um, we'd love folks to use it. If you if you feel brave, uh, let us know if you find issues, and if you you want to help out us out and fix those issues that will come up, we'd love to help too. Uh, just be aware that that's going on, and um, it'll be it'll put us in a better place for seven, but it will kind of probably have a bit of a of instability here in the short term. And thank you to the anonymous rabbit for writing the notes. <laughs> And with that, I'll uh, kick it over to Katni for an update from the library side of things. Thanks, Scott. Mm -hmm. So on the library side of things, we had 77 pull requests merged. And I would like to point out that we did not do a CI sweep. Um, this mm -hmm. is other folks uh, who are putting in either PRs for new stuff or going through the older PRs um, this time. So that number is big, and it's worth, it's worth noting. Um, we had 15 different authors, uh, including some of the names that you read off earlier, which I will not read off again, and 12 reviewers, um, two of whom I would like to point out, KMatch98 uh, recently joined our uh, review team, which is excellent, 
And Trev knows is a name that I've also not seen. So thank you to our new reviewers. Um, in terms of our merged pull requests, we had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, um, older than a week, one of them almost 100 days old. So I'm really, really happy to see that. Um, leaving us with 59 open pull requests. Uh, we had 34 issues closed by 18 people and eight opened by eight people. So apparently we're the ones doing well with the issues, uh, leaving us with 308 open issues. Uh, five of those are good first issues. If you're interested in contributing to CircuitPython on the Python side of things, check out circuitpython.org contributing. You'll find all of this information and more open pull requests, open issues, and uh, library infrastructure issues. And this applies to all the Adafruit CircuitPython libraries and the um, a couple of extras as well. And so this will have all of the issues open across all the libraries in one place. So you can go and you can search that. If you're new to everything, good first issue is a good place to start. If you're new, if you want something a little more complicated, you can search for bug or enhancement. Um, if you're interested in picking up an issue, please make a comment on it and let us know. And then um, you can start working on that code. Uh, if you're interested in checking out open PRs and helping out there, um, take a look at any of the open pull requests, uh, see whether or not uh, there's a syntax error or like anything like that. And uh, if you have the hardware, test it and leave a comment. Uh, it's the best way to start reviewing is to just comment on PRs that you've taken a look at it. And once you feel comfortable with it, we can level you up to actually joining our review team. Um, we had a number of updated libraries this week, but no new libraries. So overall, I'm happy to see the flurry of documentation updates and improvements happening. Early hug report to Jose David for picking that up. I'm also super excited to say that the oldest PR that we have um, across the libraries uh, has been tested successfully and is essentially ready to be merged. We're looking at, uh, separately, we're looking at updating the CI across all the libraries to include more information when pilot and black, et cetera, fail. So folks will know what to do instead of us either having to tell them or them figuring it out on their own. Um, that should streamline PRs quite a bit. And it's uh, worth noting, GitHub made it, apparently, according to them, so that first-time contributors require someone to approve the CI to begin running. Um, it's to avoid folks uh, abusing the CI with, with malware. Um, but that means that it's really important that we keep up with new PRs so that new folks have a positive experience. So if you are on the review team, um, and you, you know, you want to keep an eye on that, that would be great. Um, it's definitely something that we internally um, have to take on because uh, making sure that new folks have it smooth is really important to whether or not they continue to contribute. Um, so we want to make sure that they're having a positive experience there. And that's where we are with the libraries. Awesome. Yeah, thank you, Katni, for pointing that out. That's really important. Um, really important to note. And yeah. There is a question, do we know that if, if it's a per repository basis or organization for, in terms of I, whether somebody's a first time contributor, I guess? I'm not sure. I do know that um, I have shown up as a first time contributor mm -hmm. on our own, uh, on our own um, libraries before. So if they're using that, um, like where when you submit a PR and it says first time contributor, if they're using that indicator, then it's definitely on a per repository basis. But that's something that I will put a note down to look into and make sure that um, we have some absolute information on that. Yeah, I think the other thing we can think about is whether permissions let you get around that. So like if you're a collaborator on the on a particular repo, maybe it, 
still allows right. you to do that. And we could be more generous with that uh, as well. Yep. If that helps. I'm not actually sure whether it does or not. I would assume it would, but maybe it doesn't. Cool. Thanks, Katni. Yep. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to check in with maker Melissa about Blinka. Hello. So for Blinka, we had uh, this week, which Blinka is our CircuitPython compatibility layer for Raspberry Pi and other single board computers. And this week we had uh, six pull requests merged by four authors and two reviewers. Uh, there are seven open pull requests still amongst all the different libraries uh, that are Blinka related. Uh, there were zero closed issues by zero people and three open by three people, leaving a net of 60 open issues. Uh, there were 8,662 PyPI downloads in the last week, and we are currently supporting 72 boards. And that's it. Awesome. Thank you, Melissa. All right. Uh, moving on to our next section, which is Hug Reports. Hug Reports is a chance for us to say thank you to the folks in our community who are doing awesome stuff. Uh, we do it as a round robin, so I will start, and then we'll go through the list of folks that are listed in the notes doc. Um, if you're lurking or don't want to speak uh, or you're not able to make the meeting, feel free to put text in the notes doc and I'll read it off for you. Uh, if you are in the voice channel but do not have an entry in the doc, I will not. I will just skip over you automatically. So nothing to do there otherwise. Um, if, if that's not your intention, then put a drop a note in the notes doc. With that, I'll start off. Um, mine's short and sweet uh, because I've had heads down and been sucked into merge land. Uh, but I wanted to give a quick hug report to Anecdata for working on the ESP32-S2 access point mode, uh, which has come up and some folks have asked for. So I'm excited to see them picking that up. And with that, I will circle around. And <laughs> Anecdata is actually the next person on the list who says uh, has some notes and says group hug. Uh, next is uh, notes from C. Grover, who says, uh, Hug report to Professor Dan Bruton for the simple spectrum to RGB interpolation routines he wrote in the Fortran 25 years ago, and a group hug. Next up is Charles. Oh, I'm just giving the uh, usual group hug. I listen to this group all the time, and... I get more and more information from it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Charles. All right, next up is Dan. Um, I'd like to thank uh, Jose David, who's been cleaning up the documentation on a huge number of libraries. That's really helpful and adding better examples and keeping me busy on reviews for that. <laughs> uh, Thanks to Scott for the idea of merging MicroPython versions one at a time. That makes a lot of sense. We should have thought of that a long time ago. So <laughs> we could have been doing this earlier. Uh, thanks to Jeff, who's struggling with some extremely flaky camera hardware. Um, like, you have to seem to buy half a dozen of these cameras at a time in order to get a few that work. Um, Thanks to Katni for doing all the newsletter work while Anne was away. And um, thanks to Dave Putz for uh, looking at Pulse.io stuff, which is really complicated. And I wouldn't have known where to start on that. Thanks for solving some, some issues there and continuing to look at some issues. And thanks to uh, Stargirl via codes, 
who um, wrote up a really wonderful blog post about SAMB21 brownout detection, just making it absolutely clear. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Dan. Uh, next up, I have notes from Dave Putz, who says, Hug reports Tan Newt, myself, for good direction on where to look for a puzzling pulse-in issue and a group hug. And next up, I have notes from David Gloud, who says, Hug report to Carter for the addition of the Pico U2IF to Blinka. Um, I was a backer of the RTK.GPIO that gives Raspberry Pi-like GPIO to your Mac, PC, or Linux, and I love that it's possible with the Pico and Blinka. And there's a link there to Pi Supply. And a hug report to Tanute for merging more MicroPython into CircuitPython and non-CircuitPython conversation. Uh, yeah, that's a separate thing. Uh, and next up is Foamy Guy. All right, thanks, Scott. Um, this week, I got hugs for uh, Neurodoc, Johnny Bergdahl, Hugo, Dexter Starbird, and Le Samurai Purpe. Um And also anyone else who has hung out on the streams, if I am forgetting any names, that's possible. But um, lots of these folks have been tuning into my streams and also giving me really good pointers uh, in the chat when I get stuck on things or if there's better ways to do things. I've learned a bunch of nifty new stuff uh, from these folks. So I really appreciate that. And then a uh, group hug for everybody else. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you, Filmy Guy. Next up is Hireffect. Ready. Uh, thanks this week to Dan for answers and discussions regarding the power stuff um, across all ports. Uh, thanks to Jen Tasak, who's working on the NRF alarm system for all the cleanup and changes he did this week. And uh, thanks to Jeff for working on all this cool new camera stuff. That's it for me. Thanks, Lucian. All right, next up is Hugo. Thanks, Scott. Uh, first, uh, hug report for Neradoc and Foam Guy for really interesting bits of Python I kept picking up this weekend, especially Saturday evening. There was just a lot there to soak in. Uh, to Jose David for pointing me to the uh, various resources I've had to look up or just kind of um, relearn about and remember make me realize that i probably know more about it than i thought i did hmm. so maybe a little less imposter syndrome um thanks to scott again for the bluetooth book recommendations i've been reading those waiting in the carpool line for my kids at school and it's just been a informative way to pass the time and finally group hugs for everyone awesome thank you hugo next up is jose david Hello, uh, uh, thanks to Hugo for always being my GitHub advisor. Uh, also, uh, the user needs uh, in uh, the Discord channel to help in the GitHub uh, help channel. Also, Cagni for solving the problem with the infrastructure issues. Uh, the link is attached. Uh, thanks to Kimash for leaving this uh, detailed review of my slider widget. And also to Fomigai that this morning uh, leave, uh, left a review. I think that we have some conversation to do regarding the architecture for the widgets. So thank you for that. And uh, last uh, to Dan and Katni for working with me to establish a standard for the documentation on the libraries. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Next up is Jeff. Oh. 
Sorry, I had trouble finding my unmute button there. Also, <laughs> no I'm out of alphabetical order, but that is my own fault. No yeah, worries. so I wanted to thank Jerry for jumping in and testing with the OB7670 camera. It's always nice when somebody says it works. Um, Lamar and I were just uh, discussing earlier some stuff related to image processing and machine vision, which I will be learning about, and I wanted to thank her for the pointers. To you, Scott, for working on the MicroPython merge, and of course to MicroDev for setting the stage with a couple of important bits. Mm -hmm. And uh, Katni, congratulations on your awesome stint as the author of the newsletter. Um, we we really relied on you to to do that, and you did it. Awesome, thanks, Jeff. All right, next up is Katni. Thanks, Jeff. All right, um, so first up. Uh, Hugaport to Naradoc for catching such an obvious issue with someone running into problems installing CircuitPython after I tried a bunch of unnecessary troubleshooting. It turns out they were loading the wrong build. Um, to Kmatch for joining the CircuitPython Librarians Review Team, way to level up. Uh, to Jerry and Mark Gambler for testing CPU temp on the RP2040 as a sanity check for me. Um, Seemed like it was running incredibly high, but turns out it's pretty typical. Um, thanks to Dan for reviewing some code I submitted for a learn guide and catching something I missed both in that piece of code and in a template code that I had created, which meant it would have just been propagated to all uses of that template. Um, so thank you for that. To Anne for helping me with the newsletter earlier today. Um, I'm still finishing up this one this week, uh, but she helped me out a bunch uh, this morning getting the final stuff in. Um, to Jose David for blowing up my inbox with documentation improvements. And then to Dan and Lady Ada for keeping up with a huge number of those documentation PRs. Um, it's great to have a blown up inbox and then archive half of it. Uh, to AJS256 on GitHub for submitting their first contribution to the CircuitPython core. It's uh, fixed for an issue I filed. Um, so I'll be testing that uh, today or tomorrow and uh, hopefully getting that merged if it works. And then also to Naradoc uh, as well for reporting a bug in the learn system with a single page view. It turns out that the table of contents links on the side don't go to where they're supposed to, even though um, the anchors exist. So I reported that to learn and they're looking into it. Um, so thank you so much for letting us know that um, because if somebody doesn't report things like that, we don't know about it. Um, and that's what I have. Awesome. Thank you, Katni. Next up is Kmatch. Thanks, Scott. So a lot of hugs this week. So first to Jose David for the slider widget and particularly for all those library PRs that are, that, are, that you're putting in. Appreciate seeing those. Uh, and in particular, uh, I appreciate your creative suggestions of how to use the documentation and how to make it easier to organize, particularly some notes you, you sent out today. It looks like great, great options. So looking forward to, to working on some of that with you. Uh, thanks to Foamy Guy for the updated learn guide on the fonts and font files. So I hope that'll answer a lot of people's questions so they can do more cool things with, with type on the screens. Uh, next is a thanks to PyGru as a user on GitHub uh, who made a big contribution to TinyUSB for test and measurement equipment. Uh, particularly, they're really gracious comments about the capabilities and limits of that library. So it's good to have somebody to help help uh, uh, guide, guide me through some, some uh, learning how to use that. Uh, next is thanks to Scott. Thanks for your guidance on the tiny logic friend uh, logic analyzer. So it's good to have some feedback of which direction to go on that. Uh, also want to echo Dan's comment. Uh, thanks to Stargirl for sharing the uh, information about the bootloader fixes. 
I've never looked into that. So it's, she wrote a great uh, sort of intro uh, or insight into that, which to me is black magic that's been handed down from the ancients. So uh, mm-hmm. appreciate uh, getting at least some you know, basic knowledge about what, what, what it's like uh, there. So, uh, and last, thanks to Katni. So uh, it seems like everywhere you turn, there's a new system to work through and understand and related to the circuit Python world. So good to have a Sherpa like you to help guide uh, uh, and point in the right direction to get through those things. So, so thanks, Kenny. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, K-Match. All right, next up is Maker Melissa. Uh, I wanted to give a hug to all the reviewers that reviewed PRs over the weekend. It seemed like there were a lot more notifications than usual. And a group hug to everyone else. Thanks, Melissa. All right, uh, two more notes from folks. Uh, first up, we have note, a note from Mark, who says, Hug report to Microdev for the quick review on the weekend. And then from Stargirl, we have a hug to Dan H for helping me track down the source of flash corruption on a SAMD21 board, which I think then led to the awesome blog post that folks earlier said hug report to. Okay, now next up, we have status updates. Uh, This is done just as a round robin as well, uh, except this time we want to hear briefly about what you've been working on in the past week and what you plan on working on in the coming week. Uh, this is a great way for us to share tips and tricks, have a f- an idea of what folks are working on, and um, collaborate. So with that, I will start, and uh, we'll go through the list just like we did last time. So for myself, I'm working on merging in MicroPython. I'm doing it in stages. So uh, one point we started at uh, somewhere between 1.94 and 1.10 releases of MicroPython. So the update to 1.10 is in. The update to 111 is in draft PR. Um, so there's a few boards that are failing the CI, but like it's mostly done. Um, so that will maybe get in today, today or tomorrow. Uh, the update to 1.12 is in progress. Uh, I have it merged locally, but it's not compiling. So I've got to run down all the merge changes that I didn't do quite right and get it to work. And then after that, we have 113, 114, and 115. Um, I'm suspecting 14 and 15 to be pretty straightforward because uh, I think after 113, Damien, who's the the leader of MicroPython, uh, started doing them every two months. So there's smaller, uh, smaller changes that should hopefully be easier to integrate. Although that varies a little bit with what work was done. Um, so that's mainly the thing that I'm working on right now. Uh, side note uh, is I am getting my first vaccine dose tonight, which I'm very anxious and excited for. Um, so that'll be this evening. And then after that, I, as a reminder to myself, what I need to do a week or two or three from now is, uh, I need to circle back to getting the status LED changes checked in for seven X and then back to the VLE workflow stuff as well. Um, I am, I have the prototype of the VLE workflow and I'm working with Trevor who does our iOS app to, to add that support. So the, there is some work that's continuing on that. It's just not in the core right now. All right, and that's where I'm at. Let me scroll back to the top here. And we have a couple of folks uh, left notes, so let me read those off. Um, Notes from Anecdata says, working on AP mode for the ESP32-S2. The PR number is 4650. Feel free to comment and test. Next up, we have text from C. Grover. Seagrover says, revisited two projects, the dual espresso scale, load cells plus a lots of display I.O., and the thermal camera. 
added audible scale zones slash thresholds for hands-off use as well as touchscreen controls for initial setup, zeroing, tear recording, etc. It's working for now, but ideally would like to create touch bun buttons without fills or outlines so they don't interfere with background graphics. May require a PR. Uh, the thermal camera received new pseudo code pseudo color spectrums to replace the more limited limiting color palette based approach develop some one-dimensional interpolation methods in circuit python the one based upon the heat signature of heated iron is working the best and looks the most like existing commercial imagers experienced an overheating issue with a pi portal installed in an enclosure determined that the tft backlight generated the majority of the heat the backlight and a tiny fan are now controlled by an algorithm that monitors ambient light and PCB temperature problem solved. The next quest is to learn enough about two-dimensional interpolation to implement something in CircuitPython for testing. Unrelated, the book illustration project was bitten by the scope creep monster. Instead of 12 draw drawings, we'll need about 44. Pretty daunting for this fledgling artist, but I'm still having fun. They'll just need to be patient with my slow pace. Thank you, C. Grover. And next up is Dan. Okay, so I've been working on uh, dynamic USB descriptors for a couple of weeks now, and I've finished all the coding, I think. I'm sure I'm going to find something I forgot, but I'm trying to get it to compile now. And that's just a slog, making sure that I've put thing in declarations in the include files and things like that. And then after as soon as it compiles, then I can start testing it in earnest and making sure that the descriptors that I'm trying to put out are, look good. And the other thing is that I'm just worrying right now, I'm not doing anything, that we do seem to have a, some six regressions in 6.2.0. Like Jerry found one about control C and there's some other ones that are a little distressing to me. And I'd like, we, we will need to circle back and fix those and probably backport them. Mm -hmm. I'll put those fixes in six two something. So we could um, also do it as six three. That's a good point. Yeah, that might be a good idea. It depends on whether they're fixes, they're yeah. just bug fixes or not. Yep. But the main thing is to get it done. Is 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 to is to is to fix these things so that we have a nice stable version that works well. <laughs> that's what I'm worried about. Yeah, and there's there's new boards to go in there too. So that would. Be yeah. Good. All right. So that's me. Thanks, Dan. Okay. All right, next, I have notes from David, uh, who says, for CircuitPython, uh, nothing or almost nothing. That seems to, to be since two or three weeks in a row. No worries. Uh, Non-CircuitPython related, or restored a set of wireless buzz controllers with a leaked battery, and adapted my working code for the wired buzz controller using Python on the Raspberry Pi. And next up is Foamy Guy. Alrighty, thanks, Scott. Um, so for last week, uh, I merged the progress bar pull request. Uh, shout out to Hugo for all of the great work on that. Um, and then also uh, had to update the uh, some learn guides, any of the learn guides that use progress bar to use the new uh, syntax for importing, slightly different. So those got updated. And then uh, also updated the pages that have like screenshots of the required libraries. Uh, which leads into the next thing I worked on last week, which was a HTML JavaScript, like real simple web page that uh, kind of made like mock screenshots of those um, requirements. That way you could make a screenshot without having to clear off uh, one of your devices, 
Um, so that way you can kind of do it without as much cleanup. And that led to um, that page, even though it was very manual, it led to the idea from Lady Ada to try to make that process more automated and generate those images uh, with CI like automatically for every project anytime there is an update. Um, so I got started working on that. Um, and then uh, some more stuff I did last week was test the uh, that oldest uh, PR that's out there. It's a LED PWM controller. Um, and the, this person implemented it so that we could have them chained together for multiple. So that was really cool. Um, if anyone is interested in that, I covered that a little bit on my uh, morning stream on Saturday. Um, discovered a, a small issue with uh, portal base and uh, made a PR to fix that. And that has been uh, merged today, I think. And then uh, another user also noticed that and provided a different PR, which I think is also a good thing. Um, to look at because they made it a little more efficient. I just kind of uh, honed in and fixed the one thing without worrying about the efficiency. But um, there is an if statement that kind of makes it a little bit useless. So their other PR is pretty good there. Um, we can take a look. Um, and then the, the last thing for last week was, I think I found a, a potential issue with the project bundler, whatever it is that makes those learn guide bundles, not finding libraries that are uh, not on the top level, I guess, or I don't know if that's the right term, but um, the import's deeper in than it doesn't find them. So I got a weeds topic down there to talk, and I think uh, maybe there was a fix as well for that already merged. So um, for this week, I'm going to continue on with the, the screenshot utility. Um, I need to figure out a way to try to make it um, discover if it needs like secrets pie and maybe font folder and images folder and other things uh, potentially that the project uses. I would like to maybe look into how the project bundler is working. I don't have a lot of experience on that, but if anyone could point me in the direction of where that's implemented, I'd be really appreciative because um, I think we could reuse it for some of this. And then uh, the other thing I have here is uh, working on the, um, well, breaking out more widgets into their own repos and uh, also getting the read the docs and the PyPy releases going. If those are set up now on the new uh, CircuitPython org, I want to dive back into that stuff this week. Um, so that's what I got. Thanks. Build tools. Okay. <laughs> awesome. All right. Next up is Hierofact. Alrighty. Uh, this past week, I've been working on the RP2040. Um, as well as merges and maintenance on the uh, NRF52 alarm system. Um, I installed pre-commit uh, to do some formatting cleanup since I'm collaborating with uh, Juntasak on this and he doesn't have that installed yet. So we've just been going back and forth, uh, basically cleaning up uh, the stuff that's easiest for each of us to clean up. Um, I caught the STM32 alarm stuff up to the recent changes. Um, and as for the RP2040 stuff, it's, it's just about done. It's just, I'm just wrestling with some remaining deep sleep stuff, um, regarding memory and, and how we're handling all that. So, um, that should be added to the ever growing list of alarm PRs, uh, which I will be just merging and maintaining this week, hopefully starting with the NRF52 once that's completely and finally tested and done. Um, and, uh, yeah, other than that and wrapping up the RP2040, I'm pretty much open for whatever's next. So awaiting further instructions. That's it for me. Okay. Thanks, Higher Effect. All right, next up is Hugo. Oh, so last week I did some work on um, updating the circuit Python rending 
Uh, during the build, I didn't get quite as much done there as I had wanted or anticipated, uh, but it still made some progress. Um, we've had an kind of ongoing discussion in the cookie cutter repository about default branch naming and issue that was brought up there and ways we can address that. So it's been an interesting conversation and in trying to think through the different models or users that may be using it. And I also got my second vaccine shot, which the side effects were a bit rougher, but it definitely beats just getting full on infection. So I'm glad for that. Uh, this week, um, keep working on the CircuitPython branding, try and get it to a testable space, uh, and also look and see if it'd be worth using a Django templating library or Jinja or something else, either the replacement or just kind of uh, brute force it for now and refine that as we go on. Mm -hmm. All right, thanks, Hugo. Sorry, my brain, my brain was thinking that over. Uh, okay, next up is Jepler. Hello again. So last week overall, I was pretty focused on the camera project. Um, there were probably a few odds and ends, but we'll leave it at that one line. So uh, this week, I will be releasing the Adafruit, Adafruit OV7670 library, which does the um, configuration of this camera, adding that to the bundle. Um, I think we've decided to set aside this uh, posterization which Lamar and I have both seen on some of the camera modules, but if you change camera modules, it goes away. So it's probably not the code. Um, anyway, then next up, as kind of alluded to before, uh, I'm going to be reading up particularly on OpenMV and looking at whether it makes sense to adapt it, implement a portion of it in CircuitPython, um, kind of with a view to enabling you to do more than just take the image from the camera and put it on an LCD, but to do something interesting. Uh, this is keeping in mind that I really don't know much about machine vision and AI. During one of the times I failed out of college, I took an image processing class and was probably failing that. So, you know, that's where I'm at. That's what I'm starting with, but uh, I'm sure I can pick up enough. But if you have any thoughts, uh, please don't hesitate to uh, mention me over here in CircuitPython Dev and let me know what's what. Thanks, Jeff. I'm sure you can figure it out. All right. Next up is Jose David. So last week, I worked in the parsing the open issues. I have uh, two questions on the week regarding that. Also, I did some uh, proto for the analog clock. You can see in show and tell, just uh, a rough uh, prototype. I work uh, on the library documentation. And I changed a little the design guide that you could uh, go and see how to, uh, you know, make a new uh, library. And this week I will do the same. I will work on the library documentation. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Next up is Katni. Alphabetically, yes. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> We're all looking at the note stock now anyway. Let's yeah, exactly. Um, so let's see. Last week I updated the Adabot submodule on circuitpython.org to include some fixes that had not been included on the site, including the fix that made the uh, read the read the docs mismatch trigger on every single library. Uh, it no longer does that. Um, 
I put up three sets of PCB files on GitHub uh, as one per two per request and one for a guide. Um, published the QDPI RP2040 guide, including some new templates and created a template page for the RP2040 install instructions. So that will be easier to do moving forward. Uh, this week, I published my final newsletter. Welcome back, Anne. I'll be debriefing Anne on the newsletter situation from the past month. Um, I need to test CircuitPython PR 4667, which fixes a Trinky uh, pixel status issue um, that I filed uh, previously and someone submitted a fix for. Um, I need to reply to our oldest library PR. Hooray. Um, there was a question about documentation, um, but the code is finally set to go. It all works. It's good. Um, so looking forward to that. Um, I put on here run through the documentation PRs, but my inbox has been blowing up during this meeting with uh, Dan and Dylan, I believe, um, who have been approving those PRs. So that's excellent. Uh, one less thing for me to do, or at least many less things for me to do. Um, then I will be... Um, I didn't add this to the list because I added it to a, a different list, but I'll be adding the PyPI secrets to the CircuitPython org on GitHub so that you can use them on all of the, um, I'll add them globally, and then you can just refer to them from every um, repo without needing to have them. Um, I'll get that set up uh, so the foamy guy can um, do his thing. Um, then add any applicable existing templates to the Funhouse guide, um, which is to say, you know, using a button to blink an LED, um, that sort of thing. Um, and then start the Itsy Bitsy RP2040 guide. Um, I'm gonna be sorting out getting an aggregated list of all the CircuitPython libraries um, with a running total. Uh, we only have an aggregated list of the Adafruit CircuitPython libraries at the moment. And the newsletter um, and mentally, we include the community uh, bundle uh, libraries as CircuitPython libraries. So we want to get a, a list that has all of that on there. Um, and uh, Jose David has already put some work into that. So tomorrow, I will, tomorrow afternoon, I will be chatting with Jose David about that. Um, eventually look into what needs to, or what would be involved with automatically assigning reviewers to library PRs and then continue to template uh, the essentials guide beginning with the ones that are most applicable to the latest boards. So essentially um, Itsy Bitsy RP2040, QDPI RP2040, etc. I'll start with the ones that make the most sense for that and then continue on instead of doing it in like the order of the guide or anything like that. Um, and I think there's a couple other miscellaneous things, but that's about it. Awesome. Thank you, Katni. All right. Next up is Kmatch. Hey, thanks, Scott. So just a little bit of work on CircuitPython related things. So a couple of PR reviews, uh, but just want to call out uh, the slider widget that Jose David had created that it's bringing up some good discussion about how we want to handle touch response. And basically we want some kind of general consensus on how to do that so that uh, some consistency across widgets, basically to make it easier for folks to use them there and uh, in similar ways. So uh, if you would like to contribute to that, there's some discussion. I think we'll probably move it to the graphics or the CircuitPython graphics discussion. But uh, if anybody has feedback, either send it to me or put it on Discord. Uh, any, anyway, get in touch with uh, with somebody to get, give inputs on that. Uh, most of the time, I ha uh, the past week, I have been working on a tiny logic friend project. 
Uh, particularly, we're trying to understand more about USB communications for large batches of data. Uh, this week, uh, I want to uh, actually do a measurement on a 100 kilohertz waveform and get that into the logic analyzer software, SIGROC, and uh, I'll plan to review another widget library or two. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Kmatch. I, that does remind me, like, we probably don't want to use that graphics discussion spot because I think it's private. Unless we can make it oh, public, it. it would be better for those conversations to happen somewhere where people can lurk. Okay. Uh, got it. Yeah, we've got we've got an issue in the control widget definition, so maybe okay. that that may get moved. So, but uh, that that may be a more public place. Is CircuitPython open to everyone? That CircuitPython org. Once the libraries get moved there, where I'm happy to add people, but I I don't know. If, I I think I looked and to see if I could open the discussions for the particular team, and I'm I'm not sure it's possible to make it public. Okay. How how about uh, those libraries and issues? Is that going to be open? Or? Yeah, the libraries and the issues should be public. It's just the discussions, okay. and and I uh, think even libraries themselves can have discussion pages, so that maybe those are public. Um, yeah. I don't know the best way of a discussion versus an issue, but uh, uh, at least we have we have a control class issue raised. Maybe that's the right place to keep it until it gets moved over. Yeah, I think it, I, I I think it's good that you're having these conversations. I just want to make sure that we do them in the public where people can get it. Because uh, there was one person okay. where I forget who it was that wanted to follow it along, and I I added them to the graphics team as a short a short term thing. But I think we should think about that. Uh, Okay. No, lots good. of people yeah, lurk. Perfect. Lots of people lurk before they they speak up. So. Okay. No, that's good. Yeah, I was just basically ignorant of who can see what. So appreciate that. Yeah, I didn't know that either until it came up. So. Okay. Uh, cool. Just a heads up. Thanks. Thanks, Kmatch. Uh, okay. So last up, we have Maker Melissa. Hello. Let's see. Hello. I lost my page. <laughs> That's what happens when oh, people... Oh, I found have... my page. Yay. <laughs> okay, so last week I finished up writing the Funhouse product guide. Uh, I wrote a Funhouse library projects guide that should be out soon. And I moved uh, the generic Wi-Fi library modules from the separate portal libraries over to portal base so that they're easier to manage. And uh, this week, I'm going to write an example that allows more accurate temperature logging on the Funhouse. And I'll probably start a new Funhouse project guide. Awesome. And that's it. Did I see the name Fun Home somewhere? Is there uh, like an old not version? Not that I'm aware of. Maybe it's like the, the board name in the CircuitPython definition. Um, I don't know. Might, I'll take a look. I think I did see it one one spot. Maybe it was like the original version it was called that. Um, we might want to... I'll take a look and see if I can find it. Okay. Um, but it would be good to get it at Uniform. Yeah. John Park encountered this on one of his live streams. Yeah, if folks could link to that, that would be great. Uh, okay, let's move on. Thanks, Melissa. All right. Uh, last up, we have In the Weeds. Uh, In the Weeds is a section where we can talk about whatever we want to talk about. It's a place for longer form stuff. Um, the way that it works is if you have a topic you'd like to talk about, please just add your name and then the brief summary of the topic uh, into the section for in the weeds in the notes doc. And I'll just go through the list of folks and kick it over to the folks who, who have questions. So uh, first up is Jose David. We'll go to you first. 
So my first topic is regarding the Sphinx docs. Uh, I, I put in the in the document two two issues that are, I think that are related is the way the Sphinx documentation are built by the CI and locally. Uh, some not all the time is like just corner cases, but uh, you can see the difference. Uh, now we have the in display IO, the widgets, uh, the documentation kind of disappear. And also in the in the library for the N O L eight, so I don't know if uh, the configuration is different, or maybe the 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 version of the Sphinx use uh, for the CI is different. Uh, so I just just want to know if uh, if folks have some input on that. It doesn't surprise me that they're different, and ideally they wouldn't be. <laughs> Um, but I haven't looked into details as to why. I think you would know better than I would. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it doesn't ahead. look like we've pinned Sphinx. So it should be running the latest, um, which hasn't. I mean, it's not. It's not. We're not running into problems with that. But it does mean that if you install it on your computer at any given point in time, um, and run it locally, it, sh it should. It should be the same. Yeah, but for example, if I. I do my repo and read the docs like a private repo or a public repo in my own mm -hmm. account they build perfect it's just uh, the ci that doesn't do the right uh, work are you ready to build perfect are there no warnings or because meaning meaning that uh, the documentation is complete for example the display io uh if, if you you in the in the issue you 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 see it you the, the all the the documentation is there with the graphic and all the figures. Um. Yeah, I, I I think I've seen this before, like where warnings were not caught if you ran locally, but they were caught in the CI. Mm -hmm. So that might be, but I'd have to see. Maybe later, if 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 you could, like in the particular, maybe you did this already in the particular library, but if you show um, just maybe just 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 post if there's a failing library, just just post it and I'll, I'll try to run it locally and also to see if I can figure out what the difference is. And then like I'll have some discord conversation with you at some point, not in the near future, but yeah, no problem. Today or tomorrow um, about yeah. Uh, so I can, I can run it locally and see what I get. And then you can, we can get a transcript of what happens when you run it locally and we can look at the CI. So yeah, I think I... to compare three, 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 mm -hmm. three times, but I don't think it's inherent. I think it's something, it's going to be something sort of a version skew problem or a fail on warnings in one case, but not the other. So, yeah, as I say, it's just some cases not like most of the library like 90 percent of the libraries just work well just uh to these two cases that i have yeah, seen yeah yeah thank you for that uh next yeah. up as uh i as i said uh, i was reviewing the open issues in the in the libraries so i want to know if there is we could combine uh, some of the dht uh, library issues in just in one or two or maybe try to put a, a comment in the readme, readme 
file to say uh, no issues about this library are those, something like that. Um, so if there are duplicate issues, you can um, leave a comment in the newer issue that says closed in favor of and then refer to the original issue so that they're linked because GitHub will link them. Um, and so it'll be pretty obvious. Um, you can't really combine issues per se, but like if, you know, two months ago somebody reported something and then last week someone reported the same thing, you can say like, this is already, you know, this is, this discussion is happening here. Please, you know, continue the discussion here or whatever um, and close the issue. Um, okay. I don't think starting a new issue makes sense. Um, and I'm not sure what is it we want to, what is it you're suggesting putting in the readme? Like, the, the same as we put in some learning guides, this is the no issues about this, uh, for example, oh. the ESP32. Yeah. Um, fi file another issue. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, file an issue with, with your suggested readme updates, and then we can we can discuss it and, okay. and see about getting those put in, because that, would, that or, would be ideal. At least we could refer to something. Or just do a PR with the with, oh, that would with work suggested too. changes. Yeah, just I I, I like the idea. It. I like the idea of just saying like known issues. Like I see a lot of like this doesn't work on Raspberry Pi sorts of this stuff. Yeah. Work on ESP thirty two exactly. It's yeah. it's very monotonous. Yeah, I think that's um, totally a good idea. So yeah, don't file an issue. Put in a PR. Um, and feel free to close issues in favor of other issues if there are duplicates. All right, we'll do. We'll do. Uh... And related to the libraries is uh, what is our policy to put the tag uh, one fix for for all the issues. I saw, uh, there are issues that all maybe were uh, raised when uh, Circuit Python was three or five. I don't mm -hmm. know. I don't. I don't know the the date. But uh, how how are we going to deal with that now that Circuit Python is getting older? Um. So I think we try to avoid that tag, um, mostly because we we don't want it it, it. it it has the possibility of shutting other people down, and um, like even if we may never address it, um, like other folks might. Um, now, in terms of like age, if it's, I mean, if the issue is clearly referring to something that has been fixed or clearly referring to something that's no longer applicable. Um, it's probably worth just closing the issue. Um, now, are you talking on CircuitPython or are you talking on the libraries? The libraries. Okay. So, I, yeah, I, I think we try to avoid using that just because it, it has a certain finality to it that we're not super eager to embrace. Um, because we don't want other people to feel like, well... You know, I mean, if somebody else comes along and says, "Oh, yeah, I could totally implement that." Um, why, why weren't they going to, or something to that effect? I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm brainstorming here. But um, in terms of old issues, it's, it's just a question of, is it applicable anymore? Is it something we can even do? Um, and if it is, you know, maybe comment on it, update it, leave it open. If it's not, then I would say close the issue instead of putting a tag on it. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, the other thing you could think about is for the core, I added a label called needs retest. So it's basically the oh. idea of like, if, if it's a bug filed on Python 3x, you could say, well, like, 
hey, please try this on CircuitPython 6.2 and let us know if it's still an issue. And that kind of like kicks the, the ball back to the folks reporting or anybody else who sees it. Um, and then I think that it, if you do that and nobody says like, I'm going to test this, like, I think it's okay to just close it if, like, if, if enough time was given to do it and it just didn't, didn't happen. Um, yeah, that's a good idea. But I think I like I like the idea of needs retest because like as people as we get people more involved, I think that's an easy thing to start with, um, although it's hard because it may require hardware. Um, but in general, I think that's a good way of like if folks want to start helping with CircuitPython, retesting issues uh, can be really helpful. Um, so I okay. think that's worth thinking about, too. Um, just so you're aware, Adabot can add tags to the libraries. So uh, Jose David, if you are interested in that, um, let me know. Don't do it manually <laughs> because it, it can it can be automated. Right. OK. Thank you. Use the bot to add all the all the latest. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. OK. Uh, thank you, Jose David. Let's kick it over to Foamy Guy. OK. Um, I think this will be fairly short. I think some of these are solved. So. Essentially, the the thing that I had found was that inside of portal base, it didn't import MiniQR until you tried to use it. Um, and that seemed to make it so that it didn't get found by the find imports thing, which made it so that it wasn't included in the bundle. Um, but I noticed just a little bit ago, there was already, I think, a fix put in for that that just added MiniQR to requirements so that it does. Um, I, I believe the idea, I haven't tested it, but I believe the idea is when it's in requirements, then it will get included in the bundle. Um, so I think that solves the issue I had found. And the only other thing I had mentioned here was I just was looking to get an idea of how the project bundler works. And um, Melissa pointed me in the right direction on that just a little bit ago. It's in the in the build tools that creates um, a big JSON structure that contains kind of all the information about the dependencies and stuff. So I have a pretty good understanding, I think, of, uh, of what's going on there now. So I, I don't think there's really anything left. Okay. Um, on this one. Yeah, somebody else I just wanted that. to clarify. My impression is that find imports is only used on the example code. And then from there, you use like requirements TXT to give you all the library dependencies. So it's just a um, matter of like for a given example code, what are the libraries it uses? And then once you have the libraries, then you can just do all the dependencies. OK, yeah. And I'm using it similarly on um, in the learn guide repo on projects instead of example code. But basically trying to build the same list. So yep. that'll work out. Cool. Thank I you. I had a related question, if I may. Go ahead. But uh, uh, is there a way to clarify what needs to go in requirements versus mock imports and how to, you know, creating a new library, what goes where and how does it all work together? Yeah. Um, Melissa would be a good person to ask, who, but she just dropped off. So I think it's generally okay. um, if something is in Blinka. So the, the the question is like mock imports is used for type validation and code validation yeah. when doing Sphinx builds. And yeah. so if, if Blinka works, you can add that as a requirement. And if that gets you the types you need, then, then that's the best way to do it. Um, okay, it. Because the way mock works is it basically like assumes that you're using everything correctly. Um, so if you can, yeah use requirements to import to use the actual like quote unquote real dependencies or at least the blinker versions yeah. of them then you have better validation than if you did 
uh, mock import. Got it. Yeah, I wasn't even aware of that file, so uh, that's that's good to know to start looking looking there. So okay, thanks. Mm -hmm. Alrighty. Okay. Uh, next up is myself. Uh, this is a follow up from uh, Ask Patrick W's last week, uh, which was uh, checking. Patrick came up with a list of repos that we could potentially move to um, to the CircuitPython GitHub organization out of the Adafruit one. And I ran it by Phil and Lamore at the end of last week, and they they gave it the green light, said, go ahead. Um, I don't know exactly what that list is. I'll, I think I'll, what I'll do is I'll check in with Patrick and see if they're interested. Um, what I'd like to do is, because I'm swamped with uh, doing the merges, like I'd, find, I'd like to find somebody who's willing to... Uh, like the move is easy, but making sure that we don't break anything else, that gets a little trickier. So uh, if somebody wants to help me do that move, that would be much appreciated. I can I can move them myself, but I want to make sure that um, somebody else can help find like the bundle references that need to be updated and things like that as well. So I can like be the one who does all the admin -y stuff if necessary. Okay. Um, yeah. So whoever you have doing it, it does, like basically don't worry about them having permissions. If they need help right. with anything, I can help with it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I can oversee whatever's going on with it as well. Okay. So I'll check in with Patrick, but if anybody else wants to help with that, uh, moving, starting to move some more repos that are like in the Adafruit org right now, but not really Adafruit created or not like directly tied to Adafruit products. Those are the things that we're looking to move into the CircuitPython org. Um, and I, one thing Patrick was talking about is like the IOT, the non Adafruit IO, I, IOT services. Um, so potentially just like we have a graphics team in the CircuitPython org, we could have an IOT one as well. Um, and then like Jim, Jim Bennett from Microsoft could be on there, uh, for example. So uh, I'll check with Patrick. If anybody else has interest in that, let me know. Okay, and last up, we have something from V923Z. Okay, thanks, Scott. Um, mm -hmm. Very short one. Um, um, Jeff mentioned it a couple of times that ULEB um, um, is, a, is, is a bit uh, too much on some of the smaller boards. Um, and I, I was wondering uh, whether that would be interesting uh, a float only implementation um, that uh, this could be done via um, um, preprocessor switches so I, I wouldn't have to produce a new branch or anything like that uh, and the, the benefit would be that um, the, um, the firmware size or the impact on the firmware size would, would uh, be significantly reduced. Um, I don't need a definite answer now. I just wanted to float the idea. If, if anyone has any comments on that, then, then we can open an issue um, on, on uh, Microlab or, well, we can discuss it here. It's up to you. Any thoughts, Jeff? Well, um, you know, it's an interesting time to ask since I'm just starting to look at this image processing stuff. And of course, that is working with a lot of 8 and 16-bit okay. integers. <laughs> so <laughs> like the, the thing that's top on my, my mind is, no, you can't take that away from me. OK, um, right. Then, then I, I don't know that, that I'd spend time on it right now. Uh, there's some possibility that 
with the firmware sizes we see as we upgrade the MicroPython versions. Um, I don't know if that will leave us in the position of making difficult choices or in the position where everything is fine. So, you know, maybe. Um... So one way of, of um, shaving off the, um, the bytes is to, to choose the functions wisely. So um, obviously there are a lot of functions now in the, in the library that, um, that were requested one or two people and um, they, they might not hold uh, general interest and then, then you can decide to, to chuck it. Um, it's very simple, there, there's, there's a switch for everything really. Um, so if, if you think that um, you want to keep um, the, the integer types, but you are still running out of, of space, then, then you can just get rid of some of the functions that, mm -hmm. that are, are useless. Um, Okay, but your your short answer is is no. There's no interest. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's necessarily okay. where I would spend limited okay. time right now. Okay, fair enough. Thanks. I always appreciate you offering to work with us and help us get what we need, though. That's always you you don't get that everywhere. So thank mm -hmm. you. Right. Well, might might be true, but uh, actually, this is this is really not too much. Wouldn't have been too much hassle. So. Um, um, I would have been happy, but uh, it's fine too. If you, if you if you think that you don't need it, then then obviously there is there's no point in in uh, squandering the resources there. Okay, thanks a lot. Awesome. All right, thank you both. All right, and uh, before we wrap up, I just wanted to say in the text chat, uh, Dylan had a a last minute hug report. It says. Uh, I know hug reports are over, but I wanted to give you, Jose David, a huge hug report for all the documentation updates. I've been out for the last week, and I'm pretty sure half the emails in my inbox were from the documentation PRs lol. Uh, thank you so much for doing that. Documentation is so important, especially for new users. So uh, thank you all. Um, let me take a time code. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you here uh, for the CircuitPython weekly meeting for April 26th. Uh, this is the meeting where we get together and talk all things CircuitPython once a week. It happens normally at uh, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Adafruit Discord server. You're, uh, everyone is welcome to attend. Uh, you can join the Discord server by going to the URL adafru.it slash discord. Um, if you want to support Adafruit and, and CircuitPython, and those of us who work on CircuitPython, consider purchasing from the Adafruit shop at adafruit.com. The video of this meeting will be released on YouTube at youtube.com slash Adafruit, and the podcast will be available on major podcast services. Uh, the meeting is also part of the Python for Microcontrollers newsletter that we gave a preview of earlier. Uh, visit adafruitdaily.com to subscribe to that newsletter if you haven't already. Um, the next meeting, uh, let me just pull up my calendar um, is uh, a week from today on Monday as normal. Um, at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Um, it's on the Discord. If you'd like to be notified about the meeting and you haven't been added to CircuitPythonese's role at all yet, uh, let us know. We'd be happy to add you to that so that you get uh, pings about the meeting. And uh, that also gives you voice access to, to participate in the meeting as well. So um, check that out. And uh, with that, we hope to see you all next week. Have a great week, and we'll see you on the Discords. Thanks, everyone.
Thank you.